Tēnei Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Wallace Chapman here. Nice to be with you. Uh, coming up on the programme, the New Zealand dollar has dropped to its lowest level compared to the US dollar since 2009. What's it going to mean for us, especially for those imported goods? Also, the neo-fascist group, the Brothers of Italy Party, they went big in Italy. What are their policies? Who do they represent? And if you suffer from anxiety, you have issues with anxiety, I'd really like to hear from you this afternoon. How are you affected by it? How did it manifest itself? What brought it on? Share your story with us on the panel as part of Mental Health Awareness Week this week. Text us two one. Zero one. Also today on the show, what skill came to you a little later in life? We talk about that today. Me, cycling, couldn't ride a bike until the age 13. Uh, what about you? And kicking off a new feature this week. We'll usually do it on a Monday. And it's called The Song Whisperer. You guess the lyrics, we play the song. So here's the first one. Here goes. Making his way... Down the stairs, he can't help but looking back. Thinks of the things that they shared, there'll be no more turning back. He thinks of the day they met, the words that she said of love. He just can't forget. It's just the way they want to be forever. So what's the song? Text me, 2101, email the panel at rnz.co.nz. With me this afternoon, Anna Dean, brand and business consultant. Anna, welcome to the panel. Kia ora, nice to be here. Good to have you on also. Sean Johnson, the Chief Executive of the Student Volunteer Army. Kia ora, Sam, good to have you on the studio. Great to be in the studio, Wallace. It's a real, real privilege. First time I met you. Uh, first time in the studio. It's, it's sort of funny for those listeners. Um, you, you won't know that we often do the panel from yeah. at home on our Zoom by ourselves. Yeah. And uh, we don't say anything other than what's said on the no, panel. So looking well. Nice striped shirt. Oh, oh thank you. Good, nice yeah. striped, striped jersey, Wallace, actually. <laughs> now, to this first. NASA today successfully carried out a $325 mission to shift the position of an asteroid in space. It was essentially a dress rehearsal for whenever the day comes that an asteroid is headed for Earth. They did it by hurling a spacecraft at the asteroid at 22,500 kilometres per hour. Here's the reaction of the room at NASA, the moment of impact. Three, two, one. Oh my gosh. Oh wow. Awaiting visual confirmation. Exciting stuff, and joining the excitement, no less, I'm, I assume we're joined by astronomer Dr. Ian Griffin. Kia ora, Dr. Griffin. Kia ora, Wallace. Well, you heard how excited NASA were there. Can you explain why, well, I guess, why this is such a moment? Well, firstly, as a technical achievement, it's absolutely incredible. Um, we've, we've sent um, a golf cart-sized satellite, launched it millions of kilometres, uh, millions of miles and kilometres away from the Earth, and hit a target that's 163 metres across. Um, as a piece of engineering, this was phenomenal. But I was sitting watching my office this afternoon. There was a live stream from NASA. And seeing the pictures come back as um, the probe got closer and closer and closer, so this kind of football-shaped asteroid was just incredible. Um, but this is really important um, piece of um, achievement, too, because what they're trying to do with this mission is demonstrate that they can change the orbit of an asteroid. 
Um, and there are thousands of asteroids out there that cross the orbit of the Earth, and that means they might potentially hit us. And that's one of the reasons we have no dinosaurs on Earth today, because right. 65 million years ago, <laughs> one of these things hit us. So the whole philosophy of this mission is, so if you fire something that's heavy, um, this, this, this um, golf, golf truck-sized satellite was about 600 kilograms, if you fire it fast enough and hit the asteroid, you can change its orbit ever so slightly. And this is a double asteroid. So they, they hit the satellite that's going around the main asteroid, and we can actually observe them from Earth. So we should be able to see whether they've changed the orbital period of the, of the satellite. And um, astronomers across the world are now targeting this asteroid with telescopes, and the Hubble telescope's looking at it, and the telescope. And over the next few weeks and months, they're going to see exactly how this collision has changed the orbits. And it will ho hopefully, if we ever do discover an asteroid that's hitting, going to hit the Earth, yeah. we might be able to do something like this and change its orbit and make it miss the Earth. So there's the hope. Uh, you know, Anna, the first thing that came to mind, and I think Dr. Ian Griffin echoes this, we have done so much regarding Technolo technological feats over time, whether it be in medicine, science, humanities, what have you, but this, um, getting an object to collide with a meteorite at this speed, I mean, that's something else, huh? Yeah, it was pretty incredible to watch, and I thought it was quite fascinating and quite funny, the uh, the whole reality of having a live stream then just suddenly go dead, and that that was yeah. the point. <laughs> I was like, huh. this is the worst dead air kind of moment ever. They've, they've purposefully smashed this camera into this. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to conceive, and um, that kind of precision engineering, I, I can't even um, imagine. They, 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 they deserve all the praise that they can get. But I guess the thing that makes me wonder is what are the unintended consequences of this kind of thing? Um, are there any, and, and how will oh. we know? Yeah. Oh, stay, okay. Well, stay there, Ian. Sam. <laughs> uh, well, I, and isn't it? This is this is something off the movies, isn't it? This is just like movies coming to life when a, when the the rocket is sent up to put to, to save humanity. I'm and, again, and you've, isn't it? And, and, I'm and you've been successful. So the unintended consequences we live, Anna. Yes. <laughs> Okay, Ian, the unintended consequences. Because here's the deal. You don't want to make the missile uh, too strong because it would be um, very bad if that um, asteroid were to break up. Well, that's right. That's why the Bruce Willis approach, which is where you tunnel into the asteroid and blow it apart, isn't always the best way. And, and the, um, this, this is really a subtle mission. And it, they, they basically do the minimum. Because all you need to do is divert the asteroid a little tiny bit, yes. and that little tiny diversion will be enough to make it miss the Earth. So this is a really fantastic proof of concept. And um, the challenge now is, of course, there are many, many thousands of these asteroids that do cross the orbit of the Earth that we don't know where they are or where they are, you know, their precise location. So hmm. the, the, the complementary program to this is to actually have astronomers over the world hunting for asteroids that might hit the Earth so that we can find out their orbits far enough in advance that we could do a mission like this. So there's a whole other piece of work still to be done, but at least now we've proven, hopefully, that we can do this. Ian, do you think there'll ever be a time where we are doing this in the future, so course-correcting an asteroid, so that we can capture it or sort of to mine the, the precious metals that might be on it? Absolutely, yes. There, was, um, there were plans, um, plans have been developed, in fact, to manoeuvre an asteroid. Um, so, uh, uh, these Earth-crossing asteroids are actually quite easy to get to um, because you don't have to have enormously powerful rockets because they come close to the Earth. And there were plans to basically get one of them to go into orbit or, or around the Earth so huh. you could potentially mine it and use its, um, brilliant. its material, which is kind of cool. 
In terms of uh, the possibilities, you alluded to this, uh, Dr. Griffin, what possibilities does the success of this mission open up in the future, even technologically, mathematically, um, opening up new frontiers in science? Well, actually, it's um, easier to get to near-Earth asteroids and land on them than it is to get to Mars. So you could possibly get, you know, astronauts onto one of these things relatively quickly. It wouldn't be as interesting as Mars. Um, But they are interesting um, resources for the development of humanity. These, you know, these are basically rocks out there in space, and they're full of materials that we potentially could use um, for manufacturing and things. So it could be a new, uh, what's the word, a new uh, gold rush out there in space. If we can well, get the technologies to do that, and, and Ian, so much better than uh, I mean, the big debate we've had on the panel before about undersea or seabed mining or some of these other ways, you know, we ha- or, or, or mine extraction out of countries where children are involved doing it. I mean, this would really change the trajectory of uh, what we do on Earth, wouldn't it? It would. Although I'm sure there will be some philosophers and ethicists who would say, you know, is it humanity's job to go and you know lay waste to the solar system? Um, is it ours yes. to do? <laughs> but. Um, from a, from a resource perspective, there are you know billions and billions of tons of material out there um, in space, literally doing nothing. So there are there are certainly resources out there, and they can. We're getting to the state now with you know the new rockets that are being developed that we potentially can get to them and um, start to develop them and and exploit them. Just incredible, just incredible. Really appreciate you being on the program, uh, Dr. Griffin Kiara. Uh, that is astronomer Dr. Ian Griffin on this uh, mission just completed out uh, today, actually, this afternoon. NASA uh, carrying out a mission to shift the position of an asteroid in space. Meanwhile, the first um, well, the, the first feature, the, the song whisperer, huge response on that. And uh, I think I can, it's fair to say you've kind of guessed the song. It needs to be a little bit hard next time. But anyway, let's jump into our I've Been Thinking, our IBT. Anna Dean, take it away. Uh, well, I've been uh, thinking about black mould, um, which which is a, a bit of a creepy topic. Um, having been having lived through the the recent floods in, in Nelson and Golden Bay, I actually have realised that I um, had transported some some black mould with me in some clothing and a chest of drawers that was activated, oh, right. it seemed, by the by the recent um, rain and and dampness. And I kind of I did that terrible thing. I went on to Doctor. Google and got all freaked out about the experiences of living over a long period of time with with black mould and I mean the, the consequences are serious and actually interestingly enough linked to depression and anxiety um, which we'll be talking about a little bit later on the show um, but my question really is to everybody out there do I have to throw away all of these precious uh, clothes and burn my drawers, or do I just wa- wash everything with borax, like I've been told? I can find that online. But okay. I, I have an instant response: asthma, you know, um, runny, itchy, itchy eyes, itchy nose, and it's it's very powerful and potent stuff. So just wondering what it's very potent, very mm. powerful, and can be very very dangerous, particularly that black mould. Now our listeners will know: Do you have to get rid of your clothes? I can recall I'm mm. moving. Up from Dunedin to walking for the first time, uh, lived in the shadow of Mount Eden. Mm. Uh, my whole wardrobe got mouldy. Had to throw out my new suit. I was, Whoa. I was just, I, could, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yes. I could not believe it. How uh, um, yep. 
insidious mould can be. It's yeah. insidious and it grows, doesn't it? And it's sort of in unexpected places and all of a sudden you look back in the cupboard and it's in the back there and then, you know, you're in trouble. Yeah. Yep. So for those small bits of mould then, uh, is there a way, Anadine's asking, is there a way to get rid of some of that mould? You can text me, 2101. You can email me, the panel at rnz.co. Uh, .nz. Someone will have an answer for you, Anna Kiora. All right, um, Sam Johnson, I've been thinking. Thank you, Willis. Oh, I've, had the, I've been thinking and I've had the absolute pleasure this uh, past weekend to be with a fascinating group of people in Glenorchy uh, down near Queenstown um, for, a, for a conference called Toru, um, which was an event organised by um, an, an amazing Christchurch-based futurist uh, called Roger Dennis and uh, Wendy McGuinness from, from Wellington and a few others, um, and they've worked three times to bring this group together, and it was an unconference. And so if you've never been to an unconference, and I hadn't, an unconference is where the participants at the meeting set the entire agenda. So we introduced ourselves on the first nights, and there were senior members there from every political party and scientists and philanthropists and, 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 um, and business people and a real cross-section of people with different views. We crafted the agenda. We talked about everything from energy policy through to climate through to why, how do we start more businesses in New Zealand, and it was the most fascinating, rich Isn't weekend. Because it, it sounds just like one giant riff. Well, in a, in a way, it could have been a giant riff, but actually you had the subject matter experts and others who actually had experience in different fields. So no for agenda. Instance, no agenda. Uh, you, so the, like, we talked about misinformation a lot, and an expert from, um, of the misinformation and the misinformation project, they were talking with people who were, who were campaigners, and we put the two together, and actually you, you get to advance different causes. And so my point is about the power of those citizen, citizen assembly-based models uh-huh. where you have a diverse group of people who actually disagree with each other and the politics is the best example the but public we, sphere the public <laughs> sphere but bring them together in a structured way and and magic happens so uh, have a look at unconferences and just big ups to the organizers because it was exceptional is that the idea of a young conference just getting get, getting getting the good quarter all going uh, and and really um, nutting out the isu- nutting out the issues. That's right. right. You, you're bringing in people who have such diverse views, and and you get to understand and look at things in a safe, different way. So we talked about, uh, and people can be quite vulnerable in talking about. Well, I I want to do this, but how will we do it? And you've got people yeah. there. So you know, Rod Jury ran a session uh, on on um, little cars from the. Queensland Airport into town. I mean, and, yeah. like, and then he had other people, policy experts, on how to actually get that to happen. Very cool. Nice. All right, Sam Johnson and Anna Dean with me this afternoon. Lots to talk about today on the panel. Do stay with us. We're here till 5 pm.